0: Welcome to Small Business Big Network, the podcast for small business owners who want big results from their networking. I'm Liz Drury, a freelance voiceover artist who knows that if you're not working, then networking could help. Andrew Gibson helps charities to achieve sustainable income streams. He's also a long term member of BI and is very keen to share how the power of storytelling can really help when it comes to networking. Thank you very much for being my podcast guest today, Andrew.
1: It's a pleasure, Liz. It's lovely to see you.
0: So before we start talking about networking in particular, I'd like to know a bit about your background and your, your own business. So what is it that you do and how did that all get started?
1: So my main business is helping charities to develop income from their activities. And in terms of how I get started, I i have been self-employed now for 12 years. and And that was almost by accident. So Mm -hmm. I I started my career the way that so many of us do. I went to university because it was expected I would go to university. I did an engineering degree because that would get me employment at the end of it. I went and worked for a couple of big companies and did all those things. And in my late thirties, I had a bit of an epiphany when I thought, why am I doing this? Um, So I left, Um, I decided to go and seek my fortunes elsewhere. And instead of trying to be in control all the time and what's happening next and, you know, always seeking the next promotion, et cetera, I thought, well, I'm just going to step back and see what comes to me. And I've enjoyed every moment of it since. That was 2007. Here we are 15 years later. And I'm loving every day I'm alive.
0: That sounds quite a quite a niche thing that you do.
1: It is. And it's it's something that has developed over time that, yes, indeed, we all find our niche and it took me a while to find mine again kind of found it by accident um I was set up I set myself up as a business coach having worked in Bradford helping people with less than no money to start businesses in in very poor communities across Bradford as part of a local authority and government funded project that was then when I set up on my own at the end of that and I really really loved it but I was happy to help anybody and, you know, so I was really just helping anybody who came my way. And then a charity joined my BNI group, hired me for a fantastic project. Um, that's a, a shout out to Joe Shepard if she's listening, uh, who was the manager of Candlelighters at the time. Um, we worked together for two and a half years and I loved it. And I thought, wow, I can really make a difference here. So I started asking my network for more introductions to more charities And everybody went, well, why didn't you say we know this charity? So again, by accident, I started working with more charities, getting to know the sector, developing a bit of a reputation. And here I am now, I would say I'm pretty much working in the third sector now um, most of my days, uh, 10 years on from that first meeting with Joe.
0: Wow. So what kind of charities have you helped and, and what have you done to help them?
1: Um, the main things are around income generation. So the the charity model, the 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 business model of a charity is very strange. So if I came to you, Liz, and said, Liz, can you come and do a voiceover for me? And would you mind paying for it? (laughs) What yeah, exactly. You're you're gonna laugh at me, aren't you? And yet charities get this kind of approach all the time. So we know charities help vulnerable people who have needs, but they often get approached from local authorities or schools or you know health departments where it's like, oh, we've got all these people that need help and you're a charity that wants to help them. So we're gonna help you fulfill your objectives by sending all these people your way and you're gonna pay for it, is that okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, you and I wouldn't accept that commission, but the charities do have in their heart of hearts a desire to help these people. So they're not gonna turn them away and they do spend a lot of time trying to find the funding to pay for helping these people. And all I'm really trying to do is to help charities to see that if they're making a difference for a large agency, a large organization, where there's some benefit that has a a value, then they should be having discussions about how they get paid for that. And might not be as simple as accessing the organization's budget directly, but at least they can be measuring the difference they make and using that data they can be, a, the, the organisation who's partnering with them can be applying for funding as well as the charity. So I help them that way. And most, um, my, my favourite example is a lovely charity called Step 2 who I worked with in Bradford. They help children and young people with matters of um, teenage pregnancy, relationship, sexual health, et cetera. And they were, uh, I, I worked with them in 2015 for about nine months and I've kept in touch with them since. And they are now 70% self-funded income from their activities. The rest, they get through grants and fundraising. And that has given them independence. It means that they can deliver the service that they want to deliver. It's given them um, the ability to not uh, make people redundant at the end of a project or have people on short-term contracts. Um, And it's really given them the opportunity to make the difference that they want to make rather than having to go and find funding and then change what they do to meet the brief of the funders. So um, that's just one example. But I've, I've helped dozens of charities, probably into three figures now in the last 10 wow. years. Sometimes in as short as one meeting, sometimes for longer projects. It just depends on what they need.
0: And what kind of size charities are we talking about? All sizes?
1: Um, the I kind of work with everybody who is smaller than those who advertise. Right. so if they're advertising on telly they probably don't need my help mm-hmm. um, the ones I, I really focus on are the small local and regional charities um, my largest customer at the moment has around 400 employees but they run an awful lot of small projects in the local community so um, those are the, the the areas where I can really make the difference the the charities where people have started something because they've got a, a desire to help and a real passion for their subject there's huge opportunity to help them just to see that there's a bit more of a commercial discussion to be had um, than just going in and saying, yes, we can help and don't worry, we'll pay for it.
0: Mm-hmm. And does it matter whereabouts in the country they are?
1: Well, the, the lovely thing about, um, you know, one of the upsides has been an awful lot of, of, of tragedy and heartache with the pandemic. But one of the upsides is we're doing an awful lot more digital meetings, online meetings. So I have worked with charities all across the country. And indeed, further afield, I've I've worked with charities in South Africa, in Australia, in the States. Um, So, yeah, I can pretty much help charities all around the world. And and it's been a pleasure to do that in recent years.
0: Now, I know that you're an author as well. So tell me about the books that you've written.
1: Um, Thank you, Liz. Yes. So um, I mentioned BNI earlier, and obviously we we both know each other through BNI. Um, I have been in BNI since 2009. And one of the things that B&I teaches you is to be specific. But having started out as a coach, I was resistant to that training because, of course, I was thinking, well, I can help anybody with anything. Why would I be specific? And then, of course, Joe um, and and Candlelighters took me on and I started asking for charities. And it started to make sense that this being specific thing was actually working. But what I also found was that um, I'd had meetings with people, I'd I'd have Conversations with people, coaching conversations, and a load of people were saying, "I never thought of it like that." Mm. And the more people say that to you, the more you think, "Well, maybe I'm onto something here. Maybe I've got a, an unusual way of looking at things and helping people." I need to get this message out to more people than I can physically meet to myself. So I asked my colleague in B and Armstrong if I could do a training course on on being specific and the value of being specific, and that was 2014. And then I started writing what became, what's your URP? And your URP is the antidote to the unique selling point. It's the unique referral point. Um, The unique selling point is something which we're all told we need. It's in Mm -hmm. every business plan. But if you look inwards at what you do, it's really difficult to find something about you that's unique, that couldn't be copied by somebody else. And really, nobody likes being sold to, and very few people like selling. So instead of looking inwards and trying to find something unique that you can sell to people who don't want to be sold to, why don't we look out at our marketplace instead? Why don't we look at the customers that we help? And if you're consistently helping customers within a market niche to the point where they start referring you to other people like them, which is what happened in my case with charities, if you think about it. I've worked with an awful lot of charities, so charities refer me to other charities now because they have their own networks of charities getting together to talk about charity stuff. So that for me is a unique referral point. And I'm pretty widely known as the guy who wants to talk to charities. I, I regularly have people get in touch with me where I really can't think of how they've got to hear about me, but they just know that I'm the one who wants to talk to charities. And so I, I get introduced.
0: And so what's the reaction to, to that book been?
1: It's been really, really good. actually. the, it's a scary thing. Um, releasing a book is quite scary because you put a lot of effort into it and you think it's got some value and then you re- release it. And of course, the last thing you want is for people to come back and say, well, yeah, that's just stating the obvious. You know, Why, why are we bothered putting that in a book? Um, my sister did describe it as a book of common sense. But in fairness, we all need a dose of common sense from time to time. Um, but no, the reaction's been really good. People who have given me feedback, um, have been very, very positive about the difference that it's made. Um, And I've I've got people who've told me that they've read it more than once, that they keep it, you know, if they've got well-thumbed copies. Somebody did come to me once with a copy, which was full of post-it notes that they were referring back to it. Um, And yeah, it's really, really nice. It's nice to have written something that's making a difference and still popping up in conversations. It's been out since 2019. And it is still appearing, it's still, you know, there's still people who are buying it, using it, recommending it to people and so on. Um, So yeah, it's really, really nice. And then the the second book was really um, my attempt to help people at the start of the pandemic. When What's Your URP was published, I got inspired to write a second book, which was all around your narrative and your network and how that's a resource and how we can use that in business um, as a a resource. So I'd I'd written this book, And then, of course, the pandemic struck, and I decided, right, I'm going to get this book out. And my publisher was very happy to publish a second book for me. And that's more around how, if you focus on what you want, it's an awful lot easier to describe it and then go and find the things that are contributing to it than if you focus on the things that you don't want. Mm. And yet, a lot of the stuff we do in life is focusing on what we don't want. So it was just trying to help people to realize it's, for example, better to focus on being healthy. Than trying to avoid catching COVID, mm-hmm. versus how a lot of us were um, being uh, briefed at the start of the of the whole COVID situation.
0: Yeah, and um, what's what's the title of that book?
1: That one's called "Make Life Simple," um, and it, it really is remarkably simple. Um, if anybody listening to this has, has ever trained a dog, you train dogs by noticing the behaviour that you want in the moment, associating it with a command. And giving it a reward, whether it's a, a, a treat or a pat on the head or whatever, or just saying, you know, good boy, good girl. So if you do that, the dog realizes, oh, this is what you want. Okay. And it does more of it and does more of it and does more of it till eventually you've trained the dog. You don't train the dog by waiting until it does something wrong and then tapping it on the nose.
2: Because mm-hmm.
1: the dog doesn't know what you want instead. So, yeah. okay, it maybe thinks, well, maybe that was wrong, but I've got some attention. They don't know that a tap on the nose is supposed to be, a, you know, an admonishment. So they go and do it again because they, you've given it some attention. So it's, it applies in so many walks of life. Whatever it is that you want, you can work out what difference it will make for you. And then you can take steps towards finding it. If there's something that you don't want, ask yourself the question, well, what do I want instead? And then that turns it around into something that you can work towards. Um, and that's what the second book's all about.
0: Now you've mentioned BNI a couple of times during our conversation already, and that's that's how we know each other. So when did you first get involved in in BNI, and 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 why did you get involved?
1: I got BNI. I I got involved in BNI in two thousand and nine, and it was thanks to my very good friend Jim Riley. Jim and I were setting up a a web company. We started in two thousand and seven. He joined BNI in Preston and said, "This is really good. You should go and join." So I joined a chapter in Leeds. And I joined originally as a web designer, so I wasn't actually coding them, but I was selling them. Um, And I really enjoyed it. Again, I was an anything for anyone merchant um, and I was working as a coach in Bradford, as explained earlier. So um, not being seen as a specialist in what I did and asking for anything for anybody. Um, my network pals, my BNI pals, found it quite difficult to find me much more than just the basic introductions for basic websites. Um, but that's how I got started. Um, I then, a couple of years into it, joined the direct consultant team by invitations, which meant I, I got some extra training and I started supporting a couple of other groups and um, helping the members there to understand BNI. Um, and it was in that period that uh, that Joe joined uh, my chapter, as I say, and, and and took me on as a coach. I'd set up on my own by then, and, and it was time for me to, to do my own thing. Um, I'm still really good friends with Jim. Um, he still does my websites and so on. He's a you know uh, a very good friend. But um, but yeah, I decided to go in a different direction of coaching. Um, and yeah, BNI has been really really good for me. It's um, I I wouldn't be in employ I wouldn't be in self employment had I not been in BNI because I wouldn't have had the confidence to go and set up on my own. Mm. It's one of the reasons why I'm really passionate about sharing it with people. Um, I also wouldn't have been able to write the books I've written, never mind getting them published. They're published by Rick Armstrong and I didn't even know he was a publisher until (laughs) I told him I was working on a book. At which point he said, oh, well, when you've got something, share it with me. Um, And uh, the opportunity for public speaking, the opportunity to speak at conferences and so on, I'm on the national training team now training people in this um method uh using stories and being specific to find more referrals that you want etc um so I don't know where the next stage in my journey is going to be but BNI has been a real source of personal and professional development as well as business opportunity um, for as long as I've been a member
0: so you you clearly feel that that networking is is really important for a small business owner so why why should they make time for it?
1: Um the I think it is probably the most important thing you can do. And there's there's a couple of reasons for making time. The first is when you start out you need help. Mm -hmm. And if you're going out to your network and you're looking for help and you're connecting people and people are connecting you, you are likely to get more help than you actually wanted, more help than you bargained for. If you just go out, say, um, say you decide the things you want for your business, you've got a kind of the standard package of things you need, and you just go and randomly Google it and phone people up and just get stuff. That's absolutely fine. But if you find local companies and get local support, they will have a network of other local companies that can provide you with more local support, and so on and so on. It goes until eventually you start becoming part of this network and you find out what they do, they'll be finding out more about what you do. You'll be able to recommend them because you've got a story about how they've helped you. You'll be able to start giving to your network. Your network will be remembering you and they will start giving to you. So you'll get support and you'll get business more quickly if you start networking in the local community. Um, and then, of course, the second part for that, this is the bit it took me took me five years to work this out, really, is to be specific about who you want to help and how you help them. So when you're networking, you're not doing like I was for so many years and saying, oh, I can help anybody. Mm-hmm. You're actually being specific. You don't have to worry about restricting yourself. You can be specific, but people will then come and ask you and say, oh, well, I know you help these guys, but can you help these guys over here? And that's up to you as to whether you can or you can't. Um, But being specific helps you to get a reputation for helping particular people. And remember, your network will be introducing you to people. So it's a good idea if they know the people you want introductions to. So being specific from the start in knowing who you want to help, going out to your network and making sure that you're letting them know that those are the people you want to help, saves a lot of time, saves a lot of effort and helps you to get your business started more sustainably, more quickly.
0: Mm. Now, I know something that you're you're very keen on when it comes to networking is, is the power of storytelling. So how do you use stories when you're networking?
1: Um, well, it starts actually with the very start of this recording. You asked me what I did for a living. Now, I could have said I was a business coach. But at that point, most people listening to this podcast would probably have switched off. <laughs> probably have just gone, oh, here we go. It's another business coach. Instead, what I said was I help charities develop conflict activities. And, of course, you naturally said, well, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. So that is a story in itself. I help, and if, if, you're, if you're thinking about this for your own business, um, think about who you helped recently and how you helped them. What difference did you make for them? And then you can put it in that form of words. I help, in my case, charities, with, again, in my case, Income generation from their activities. um The, na- the natural follow up question, then, of course, is well, how do you do that?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, of course, I can tell you a story about how I've done that. Or if I'm just starting out in business, I can say, well, I want to help people with this. So I'm really looking to meet some people in that sector so that I can talk to them and find out if it's something that they need. Or I can do some work with them and find out, you know, what difference it made. So you can use this to get yourself started and to explore new markets as well. Um, and it's all driven by story. Um, I have absolutely no idea how you qualify as a voiceover artist. Yeah. But I can tell stories of the difference that you've made for museums, for example, in terms of increasing footfall, increasing the, the customer survey feedback that they get. Mm-hmm. From the interaction and engagement that a really good recorded voiceover offers guests in museums. Um, I can talk about increases in sales that you've delivered by keeping people on telephone answering systems by having a professional, properly recorded voice menu system instead of blinky plunk music in a computer. Um, or you know, um the the, the the volunteer from accounts who has got a loud voice and is asked to do it instead, you know. You the difference you make is a story I can tell and then when they say oh well how does let's do that that's where I can genuinely say I don't know she's the expert why don't I introduce you and if I've got the story slightly wrong it probably doesn't matter mm. because it's a story about how you've helped somebody else and as long as it's related and relevant you can very quickly correct somebody oh, it wasn't quite as much as that but you know yes it was along those lines and that's fine you're in the conversation now. Yeah. Um, Whereas if you try and talk about what you do, people kind of very quickly get to the point of trying to work out whether they need it. It's like, well, I don't really know if I need that, Andrew. Um, I don't know if I need a voiceover artist, because they are trying to work out the connection in their mind. But of course, if they need more sales or better customer service, then of course they need you. So if I can tell the story, I get you in the door and then you're talking about what you do and you've got way more examples, way more stories. You know, you're now in the conversation and yeah. all I've done is engage on your behalf and open the door for you. Um, and I think that's another thing to add in terms of the, the networking theme. Telling stories and networking is about engagement. Mm. Something that's i really really um, very passionate about now because i see a lot of people thinking that you know they need to tell everybody everything they do and then that the people that they tell are going to go and sell this on their behalf now remember what i said earlier about unique selling point nothing that you do is unique so you run the risk of somebody saying well i've already got one you know why do i want to talk to them i've already got one of them and then selling on your well if you don't like selling on your own behalf do other people do you really expect other people to sell on your behalf it, It's really difficult. Whereas storytelling is a perfectly natural thing. It's a human condition. We all tell stories. It's just a natural thing to do. And if the story's relevant, engagement follows and a conversation will result. And it's the same as
0: that. Yeah. And people will remember stories, whereas they're not going to remember that you do X, Y, and Z. (laughs)
1: Exactly. They remember stories. And I say if we get the story slightly wrong, that's okay. You know i sometimes hear people trying to in, get us to engage on their behalf by saying that they'll do something for free you know oh we'll do a free audit or we'll do a free survey that's okay but let's imagine i was trying to introduce you to amazon and one of their warehouses and i said oh don't worry liz will do a free audit <laughs> i've got you an introduction to amazon down the road i've said you'll do a free audit is that okay Uh, no it's not (laughs) have you seen the size of those places that'll take me a month so you know the the talking about what you do can also lead to that awkward situation where with the best intentions, somebody has over introduced you and Mm -hmm. over promised and now you've got to try and roll back from that but as if I get the story slightly wrong um it doesn't actually I I was telling a story the other day about somebody helping a a, uh an engineering company and it turns out it was a construction company. It's it's similar. It's not. Normal. I don't lose any credibility because I got it slightly wrong. And my colleague is now introduced and can tidy that little bit up herself. But she's now talking to the client, so therefore it's okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so if people are starting out on their networking journey and maybe going along to their first networking meeting, what advice would you give them?
1: Oh, I love it when people are starting out. Um the 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 advice I would give them is to separate the desire you have just to get some business in, which leads you to say, I'm happy to do anything for anyone. Okay? Leave that at home. Present yourself as an expert as fast as you possibly can. So Mm -hmm. think about if you've already helped some people, think about who you've helped that you'd like to help more of. Okay, so in my case, help to charity. I'd like to help more charities. Brilliant. I might have only helped one charity, but if I've got a story to tell that can get me into another charity, happy days. So think of the people that you've helped already that you want to help more of and then use the stories from there to ask for introductions to more people like that. If you're really brand new and you haven't actually helped anybody yet, ask for introductions so that to people that you'd like to help so that you can go and help them and see if you make a difference and see if you enjoy it. And those first ones, you might not actually get paid, Mm -hmm. but if you love what you do, be prepared to go and do it for nothing to prove that it has value, prove that there's a story there of making a difference because that's what will get more work. And if you don't love what you do, hmm, okay, you've got the choice if you're self-employed to do whatever you like so, why don't you do something you like doing?
0: Yeah. Well, I'm doing something that I like doing. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I don't don't work. <laughs>
1: you do, you too. If, if you love doing it, then you're happy just to do it. I, you know, if you love the people you're doing it with, then you're you're happy to do it with them, and you've got that choice when you're self-employed. And that that's one of the things about being specific with who you want. If you don't know who you want, everybody else is going to try and work it out and you're going to get a whole load of random people and pulled from pillar to post and you'll never quite feel that you're in control. Hmm. Whereas if you've worked it out, people will probably find them for you and it'll be easier for them because they'll know that those are the people that you want to talk to.
0: Yeah. Great advice, Andrew. Thank you very much for all of that. So if anyone listening would like to find you or your books uh, and find out more, where's the best place to to find you
1: well um my website is uh provided by my good friend jim and easy websites in preston and that's that's andrew-gibson.com but andrew-gibson.com if you prefer um and you can contact me through there my contact details and contact form and and so Mm -hmm. on as are links to the books um the books are available on all online sellers uh amazon of course being the prolific one um if you search for me uh or search for urp there's not a, there's not very many books with urp in the title not yet anyway um but yeah you'll find them there you'll find uh i have actually enjoyed recording urp as an audiobook which was a project oh, I- very good <laughs> i did before i knew you liz i think I, I think you'd have done a much better job of it than me um but yeah the books are available there and uh yeah love to hear from anybody who's Um, enjoyed this podcast or get a hold of the book if you find it useful let me know and if you don't find it useful also let me know
0: brilliant thank you very much for being my guest andrew
1: thank you very much for having me here it's been great fun thanks Liz.
0: thanks for listening to small business big network if you found this podcast useful please do rate review and subscribe and don't forget to share it with the rest of your network too